I have a question for you. Have you flown uh, since COVID? I have not. Um, and I was going to ask you because you just did this. You just traveled and I'm planning for doing it during Thanksgiving, but I'm scared. How was it? Interesting experience. We flew Delta, which was nice because they didn't fill the middle seats. So we got full rows to ourselves. Nice. Um, and we took our dog with us. And uh, she, which we normally do during the holidays, but since this is kind of a last minute thing, we just took her with us anyway. And um, it's really nice because when we had the whole row, we basically just like left the bag out on the floor and she was totally chill. So it worked out. It worked out well. They did a good job. Most people, as far as I said, kept their mask on unless they were eating. So. You know, right. knock on wood, everybody's nice and COVID-free. Yeah, that's, we called, because we're going to fly Southwest, and I think um, they're also doing the same thing where the middle seat stays empty. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were planning on trying to buy a third seat to bring the baby home just because we wanted our own row no matter what. And it's expensive, but, you know, it's see gra- great-grandma or not. Of course. Um but when we found out that they didn't have the middle seat, we're like, cool, we're not going to pay for it, but then we're going to use it. Of course. Of course. <laughs> uh, do you want to record? Let's do it. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to This American Horror Story an unofficial podcast of the FX hit show, American Horror Story. I am your host, Tyler Moss, here with my co-host. Chris Husted. What's up, everyone? Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween, indeed. We are now into October. We have our first Halloween episode, Halloween Part 1, that we're reviewing today. Um, can't be much more excited than that. I mean, man, I, Halloween is like... I love Thanksgiving a lot, but, I, man, I really like thing, Halloween, too. It's going to be a weird Halloween this year, though, isn't it? It really is. We'll see what it looks like um Lots yeah, of masks. i don't know yeah well, i don't know if there's gonna be trick-or-treat business or not we'll have to see um man i was excited to dig back into this episode um there was definitely as we were just kind of talking about a minute ago parts of it that like i remembered things that i, I feel like i'm seeing new things for the first time so it's been really great to be re-watching season one murder house again for those of you who don't know we are re-watching murder house this season because the original season um Season 10 got uh, delayed till next year. And so we decided to fill that void by revisiting season one, American Horror Story Murder House. And man, has it been fun. Mm-hmm. So uh, before we really dig into episode four, Halloween part one, um, a couple of little housekeeping things. The first one is Jennifer on Facebook left a comment and said, we've done a lot of talking about the cupcakes that Constance left for Violet. Um, and Jennifer, her theory was that... Uh, Constance had made the cupcakes for Violet because Ben had stopped treating Tate because of Violet. I don't know if that was meant as a form of punishment or something like that. But at the same time, you'd think, um, I don't know, maybe the idea is if Violet was incapacitated with violent vomiting and diarrhea, she would be unable to hang out with Tate anymore anyway. So there wouldn't be an issue uh, of them. Or maybe Tate would be grossed out by it and <laughs> keep seeing Dr. Harmon. I don't know. But, um, you know, interesting theory. But the other part that I liked is she she mentioned... Uh, something we didn't discuss, which is every time Moira drugged Ben with the coffee, he woke up on Moira's grave mm. uh, with a shovel by him, basically with the hope that she he would dig up her body and help her cross over into the other world, right? And so yeah. I thought that was good insight. I hadn't thought really through too hard. Yeah, um, it's not as 
ham-fisted as <laughs> it should be she could just say yo my body's out there go dig it up <laughs> which is maybe how it would be in some later seasons that we were a little bit frustrated with but yeah. i think uh handle tactfully in this situation yeah i know what i'll do i'll drug him and then leave him in this spot with a shovel with giving him no knowledge that there are bodies buried on this property yeah absolutely makes sense totally makes sense um, so appreciate Jennifer leaving that comment. As always, you folks can send us messages or comment on our Facebook at this American Horse uh, Facebook.com slash this American Horse Story, where we kind of have our own little American Horror Story community of fans. Or you can email your questions or comments to this American Horror Story at gmail.com. Uh, we really appreciate all of you who are kind of watching along with us. I know some of you have said that uh, you went ahead and binged the whole thing just because you couldn't do one episode at a time. Totally <laughs> I don't cool. blame you. Yeah, yeah, I can't blame you, but um, I hope you're, you're still listening along with us because it's still a lot of fun to chat about it. Before we dive into this particular episode, Chris, what are you drinking this evening? I have a glass of uh, Robert Mandavi Cabernet Sauvignon. I have an airport pour of it. And I think I've talked about what that is on this podcast before, but I've filled it pretty close to the brim and it's delicious. <laughs> and I'm probably going to finish it before we're done with this episode. I may need to get a refill. We'll see. Cheers to what? that. Now, this week should be my bourbon and cider week, but since mm-hmm. I'm actually, uh, I'm not at home this week, I'm, I'm back uh, on the West Coast for some, some family business. I am drinking instead uh, Willamette Valley Cabernet. So I have some other as well. So hey. cheers to that. Cheers. Clean. Yeah. All right. So let's talk Halloween part one. Um, there's some characters that we hadn't seen yet in this season who we got to see this episode. That was a lot of fun. Uh, Zachary Quinto in particular. I'm wondering if you can take us through the cold open with our friends Chad and Patrick. Yeah. Um, this this episode's chock full of characters. So I'm excited to see uh, how it goes. But we do open in 2010, which for us right now watching it was kind of funny. I'm like, oh my God, so this takes place 10 years ago. But you got to remember the actual story is taking place. The present story is 2011. So this is only a year ago. These are the previous tenants before, which we had already heard about. It was a gay couple into modernizing the house, yada, yada. Um, But we get dropped right into the prep for a Halloween party. Uh, that is going to be French figures theme um, with the Marie Antoinette pumpkin uh, to boot. <laughs> um, On the Florida lease, yeah. Yeah, but we immediately uh, get a tense situation between this couple. We have Zachary Quinto, who is carving the pumpkins, um, and the other one, who I'm calling discount blonde Alexander Skarsgård at this point, <laughs> um, which not to be mean to that actor he's great but that he just looks like alexander skarsgård um but anyway so as the other one the blondie's going to the gym uh zachary quinto's character which his name is chad says don't forget to wear a condom uh which is a dig that the guy that patrick doesn't catch until he walks out and he comes back in and says what do you mean by that he says i yeah, know you're screwing that twink uh and they go back and forth clearly um there's a lot of issues in this relationship. Um, and we get really quickly down to the core of what their argument is. Um, they clearly have an open relationship because they say we have a don't ask, don't tell policy if you're going to do it. But the blonde guy, Patrick, is not being so um, subtle about it, I guess. Um, in fact, he even throws it in his face and says, yeah, he's a power bottom too. <laughs> like kind of just admitting to it, even though they're not supposed to do that. Or just keep it more quiet. Anyway, um, 
Ch- uh, Patrick uh, uh, says he wants love and a relationship and sex and passion and not to be married to Martha Stewart, which Zachary Quinto's character Chad is much more into like fixing the house, making it nice. And we immediately uh, get it, it boils down to why they can't break up. And that is because all their money is invested in this house to leave each other to get divorced. It would be messy and be hard. And they don't have anything to fall back on right now. This house is a money pit for everyone, it seems. Why you would ever buy this and not know the history is just beyond me. But, um, we get the uh, the the notion that they're just both really sad and they're unhappy in this relationship and they can't get out. They are trapped. Um, and Patrick is trying to make the house nice so they can sell it, so they can get out of it. Anyway, they're stuck. Um, then we see Quint- I've also just a note on this. I've never seen Zachary uh, Quinto so queeny, <laughs> for lack of a better term. Uh, he's sassy and a little bit more fe- effeminate than he is in, say, Star Trek or um, some of his other roles that I've well, seen. Well, even in Asylum, I guess, really, if you're comparing. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, it's fun to see him like that. Uh, Ch- uh, Patrick leaves and boom, 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 Rubber Man shows up. And, of course, as often happens in this uh universe everyone mistakes rubber man for the person that they're in a relationship with uh as 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 happens here but it plays against our expectation the the writer does here because instead of them actually hooking up like we know has happened with vivian uh we see chad get just tossed around the room and beat up and ultimately head dunked into the bobbing apples apples tub and then I believe his neck breaks. He breaks his neck or something. Breaks his neck, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then immediately uh, Pat, uh, Patrick walks in and then cuts the scene right there. So a really bing bang personality. Get to know, boiled down to the core, what this relationship is, who these people sort of are. Uh, and then we already see one of their deaths. Totally. A couple but of also, okay. I- yeah, one more thing I just remembered. Also, this is 2010, so we're talking historically like this is the post-housing uh, post crash, the recession in the midst of that. So this is another, you know, back then it was more we remembered that that was happening right then because it just happened to all of us. But now, 10 years later, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, but I, I remember that was happening. Right. A couple things that I noticed throughout, throughout this kind of cold open that are, I thought were of note is one thing is kind of what we discussed last episode, this house has this ability to attract unhappy couples, right? Mm. It has this magnetism. If you think, and maybe that goes back to the original spirit of, you know, Nora and Charles Montgomery um, and how desperately unhappy they were. Um, It just seems to be consistently, or even now when you think of Constance and her husband too, like the different people who live there, just like really bad relationships seem to, the house seems to attract and like we also talked about the inability financially to get away from the house too. It's like the, the house has this cosmic power to attract these, neg- these, these bummer relationships and then trap them there together, which is interesting. Um, the other thing that I thought was, was kind of interesting is like you said, you know, we have rubber man appear here and he almost appears to have like this super strength and just like tossing, you know, Chad, like, oh, across oh, like the island. Six and just foot like one man or whatever. How, yeah, just re- really tosses him like all over the place. And, you know, Zachary Quinto's in good shape. So it's, it's not like it's a right. walk in the park. Um, and it made me think that, you know, maybe the house is seeking 
obviously the house was seeking to find out like a host in the form of Vivian eventually to, you know, birth what we know will become the Antichrist, right? And so obviously that wasn't going to happen with Chad and Patrick, because even though they wanted a baby, it's not like either one of them could be impregnated by the house itself. So that's why maybe the house decided it had to eradicate them to get new, new tenants, basically, to find its mm. host, almost in like a parasite type way. I like and that. I think the final thing that I is kind of the tragedy of, I think, this opening scene is that you see Patrick come in in the costume and you almost feel like basically he he was trying to do that to... Um, Make nice. As, yeah, like a, like a make good with, with Chad. Like, he, you know, he does care about him. And it was like, yeah, we fight, but I want this to... I'm going I'm to keep trying for this thing to work, right? Right. And um, and so it was like almost a moment of redemption that obviously he didn't get to have with Chad because Chad was already dead at that point, And we know that he died immediately after. So kind of a, a tragedy in that way. It's sad. Totally. Yeah. You know, they're... As many relationships do, they're blow-ups over silly, stupid things, and it's not necessarily because of the other person, but because of their own life, or it's not lived up to its expectation, or whatever it might be, and they quickly drop us into that type of a situation, which has been festering for quite a while. This isn't a brand new, like, oh, I'm sorry, it is something that they've clearly lived with. I imagine they're in their, I don't know, late 30s, so they've been together for a while. Right. But, um which is great the way after the credits we get right into how the house has an image problem. <laughs> totally. And so I, I try to separate the storylines a little you, bit. How, yeah. How did it, you do that? This is like such a complicated, convoluted, so many characters episode. This one was hard, so we'll see if it works. But I, I have kind of some, <laughs> some rough storylines I'm going to stick with. And some of the characters appear, appear in multiple storylines, but I kind of tried to put them together in terms of what the general kind of thrust of the story was with each of them. So the first I one does start... follow your path, Tyler. Yeah, so the first one does start with this the house image problem. So, you know, Vivian is once again railing at Marcy for being an inadequate real estate agent. And Marcy's like, hey, this house, it's the Sucks. house. It's not me. People <laughs> don't want to buy this place uh, because people keep dying in it. And uh, you just had a horrible kidnapping situation here. So <laughs> Yeah. It does have an image problem. So we need to get fluffers for the house, which I thought was um, it's a very fun term. Chris, uh, explain to people who don't know what a fluffer is. <laughs> Oh God! Like I, I would know this. <laughs> I do know this. I've never heard this term used for someone who stages a house because I—that's what I would call it. Someone who comes in and stages the house for sale. Um, mm. But a fluffer is someone who works on the set of a porno film, and I feel like such a academic a pornography film where they help the man stand to attention during takes, in between takes. I mean, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and keeps it going so that they can get the film done to completion. Totally. And I think the term also like applies to horse breeding as well. Like someone like a mare who like, you know, gets the, the horse going. It would have been, exactly so, been so much funnier if you're like, no, it's a horse breeding term, Chris, you sicko. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that you are also using it correctly. And knowing Ryan Murphy, he might have meant the... Uh, the former versus the latter, but who knows right. exactly where that came from. But I thought it was a funny term in this instance and in a good usage. Um, but obviously Vivian is upset. The house isn't selling. She's still worried about the security issue. So she brings in Morris Chestnut, who has a very brief cameo in this episode. I totally um, forgot. Yeah. I, I honestly think why we forget about him is because his role is really underserved in this first season. If we think mm -hmm. about, well, in this season, because I don't even know that he appears in a future American Horror Story season. But if we think about anything, um, 
Like, I really like him. I, did you ever watch that movie, Like Mike? That was one of my favorite movies. I love for, that movie so much, yes. Where he's a basketball player with a little Bow Wow. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, like, his his role, I think, is just, like, it's not huge in, in this season. I know, like, you can already tell that him and Vivian have chemistry, right? And that's kind of his main function, really. Um, he, but he is such a calming force, so it's a bummer that he was not used in a more prominent and, like, significant thought, way. Yeah, you think the way they set him up that he's going to be, like, they, they linger him and Vivian together for a minute. Mm-hmm. Like there's some mm-hmm. flames between them for sure. I would, you know, sorry, Ben, but uh, definitely like Morris chest. I don't even remember the character's name in this. Cause he's so briefly in it, but yeah, there's fire. Anyway, yeah, absolutely. And he seems, and he seems like a good dude, right? Yeah. <laughs> Which he is wants to protect her. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so everyone's preparing for Halloween. We're getting the pumpkins ready, all this type of stuff. Moira asks for Halloween off as she's carving pumpkins for them. Um, and we know as viewers it's because Moira's already dead. She has the freedom to roam. And that's something that's established later when um, Constance's Addie. boyfriend is reading the book. But And we'll talk more about yeah. that later. But, um, you know, on Halloween, the dead can roam free they, beyond the confines of, in Moira's case, the house. Right? And so she's allowed to go and visit her mother in the old folks' home. And, I mean, it's really kind of a devastating scene where she pulls out her mother's breathing tube as an act of kindness. I know I'm jumping ahead here, but it's kind of a, a little bit of it's a side note. Line. So it's yeah. worth just talking about here. Um, and her mother, you know, crosses over and wills her to come with her. But Moira can't because her body's stuck under the gazebo, you know. And it's um, so sad. It is. And it, it's interesting that they decided, I mean, clearly when they were looking back at this first season, Brad Falchuk and Ryan Murphy were like, we need to do, make good on on." Moira's story because we left we left her hanging basically and and it's like one of the main ones we visited in Apocalypse so interesting interesting and I think from what I've read a lot of the feedback after the first season was Moira was such a strong character we wish we could have spent more time with her and knew her story like you know when she goes when she goes to her mother we do learn some of this I think in Apocalypse but when she does go visit her mother to you know take her off the breathing apparatus uh, she says it's my fault you're here and I want to know more about that. Obviously, she died because of the whole situation. We know how she died, but you know what was her relationship like with her mother? You know what happened right. to was, her mother? Was her, was her mom dependent on her? You right. know, or what was it like? You know, maybe she was so devastated by what happened. You know, it's it's hard to say. There's a lot, yeah. But yeah, no, this and Francis Conroy, whom we just absolutely adore, is fantastic in this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's it's a moving scene. It really is. Uh, you know, back at the house, Chad, Warwick, and Patrick show up. Um, now, we never actually see the fluffers that Marcy sends over, and I don't remember if we'll see him in episode two or not. Um, I'm trying to. I was trying to remember that too. I did not like watch ahead just so I didn't know. But um, I feel like Marcy at some point is says she has to say like, "Oh, that who are you talking about?" Like he he couldn't show up or something. Yeah, yeah, um, but, but you know, obviously when. We know we already know that Chad Warwick has an eye for de- design, so it's natural that you know his his ghost would come in and start giving them kind of a, a makeover to the house, even though he has very strong opinions about things. <laughs> I, it's I love it too because Vivian's like, "Oh, you must be the fluffers," and I feel like they kind of chuckle and they never like answer the question. They just think it's a funny like joke. Yeah, and it comes yeah. up multiple times. There's some tension about that. Like, are they going to say that that's not their that's not their job anyway? It's funny. Well, I mean, I guess they kind of finally do when they tell them to get out of the house, right? Yeah. Um, yep. But in this opening scene, you know, opening scene with them together, Chad's main advice is to ditch the gazebo, which, yeah. you know, he's just, you got to figure he's just screwing with 
men at this point in time because you know they know everything that's happened on the property. Exactly. They know who's buried there. They know there's bodies there. They're, yeah, they're aware for sure. I was going to ask you if, um, you know, they're just snarky guys. It's yeah, so- and it's almost like they're there to just throw more. Uh, clearly, they're there to throw more chaos into Ben and oh, Ben yeah. and Vivian's relationship, right? Yeah, um, because what, yeah, go ahead. Was, and while I've said like I feel bad for Ben a lot of times, he deserves some of the shit that is coming his way, um, specifically about the Hayden uh, situation. Totally. Well, and speaking of, you know, um, we have kind of an upstairs downstairs situation where Patrick upstairs <laughs> is trying to, you know, after Ben cuts his hand, Patrick sews him up and then tries to seduce him. Um, I don't even Very know if you call it seduction. <laughs> yeah, he just yeah. grabs him, um, but. Interesting that Patrick identifies with Ben while Chad seems to identify with Vivian as almost there's like, like we're talking about like types that come through the house, you know? Right. And Patrick is the kind that can't remain faithful and Chad is the kind who, uh, I don't know, is, I don't know. I feel like Vivian is a little bit more reasonable than Chad, but maybe I'm being too hard on Chad. Um, they just, well, they want, they want a baby and they want a, a family and a relationship and all that stuff. Um, you know, I think I think we're just seeing Chad as bittered after many years of disappointment, maybe. I agree. It's like if Vivian and Ben stay together, it's almost like a flash forward in certain ways. Um, although Vivian would never, as we know, stay with Ben if he kept cheating on her unless there was an arrangement. But there's also like that in a different types of cultures. But um, but I do see, you know, you see Chad feeding Vivian ideas in in that scene, which is pretty great. The cell, yeah, to look up the cell phone records. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're just little, you know, creatures of havoc, basically. They're there and, stirring and, the pot. <laughs> it, totally. The gazebo, the cell records, it's, you know, uh, they're more tricks than treats when it comes to Halloween, I guess. Um, now, Vivian, you know, goes and looks at the phone records and reveals that she knows Ben's been in contact with Hayden. He gives her some BS um, about, you know, didn't I see her, I hung yeah. up, yeah, all this stuff. Well, because she'd, she'd drawn a line in the sand before. She had said, you know, if you lie to me one more time, and he very well knew he was lying when he said there was no more lies. Um, but we learned that Vivian left Hayden a message, and lo and behold, somehow Hayden calls back from beyond the grave. Well, she doesn't actually mm-hmm. answer it. So at this point, it's just, we don't know, but obviously Ben is a little, like, freaked out to see her name on the caller ID. Um, yep. Yeah, yeah, even though I, apparently uh, Vivian has put Hayden's name into her phone, by the way, which is kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. Because she wanted to know she was calling. I, I think this whole scene could have been done a little better because it went from, like, I have the records to all the way to them, like, resolving again. This kind of just feels like we've already been here. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I think the whole setup could have been a little better. Like, you know... Maybe she confronts the... Sorry, my dog's barking in the background. Um, She confronts uh, Ben earlier on about the phone calls, but then, you know, not in the same scene does Hayden call. Like, like you plant a seed earlier, and then it pays off, like, you know, 20 minutes down the road when the phone rings. I think it could have been set up a little better. It was a little, like, you know, here's a four-minute vignette of shit going down. Yeah. That's being nitpicky, but... But I mean, it, yeah, it comes to a head quickly, which this the season's fast moving in that way, you know, um, which I appreciate, uh, but not in like a 
breakneck way. I mean, all, it reminds me of we were compl- so complimentary of nineteen eighty four for being fast paced, in which some seasons have like drug on a little bit or taken. Mm-hmm. Or have like side stories that they go out on for an episode or something like that. And at least what I do like about it is the pacing of this season, you know, Agreed. even though it is a longer one. Um, excuse me. And so just kind of going through to the end of this, the whole kind of Chad Patrick Carbons and situation, Patrick. you know, obviously Chad gets pissed. He gets he's triggered about the green apple situation because the same reason he was mad at Patrick, <laughs> he needs green apples, not red apples. And that's when they really get into it. And there's kind of the scary moment where it's like. You know, Vivian's thinking to herself, like, this is not what I expected when Marcy was going to send over fluffers because they're saying, get out of our house, basically. Um, And, you know, the reality hits a little bit more. Also, meanwhile, Rubberman is there watching from the other room, just being a creepy uh, son of a bitch. So he's always around, you know, and I, you know, he's the embodiment of the house, I guess. So it's just like he's hovering. And then, um, you know, this goes to. Vivian's deciding to boot Ben from the house just as she starts to get, you know, because of the phone records, just as she starts to get these very painful baby kicks, turns out that when they go and give, do the sonogram situation, uh, the nurse passes out because the baby seems to be developing just too fast. And we don't really know what she sees, but it's something horrifying. Right. Um, I, I always thought that, that the fetus, like, did something to her, like, from the womb, like, like made her, like, faint or something like that, you know? Like not mm-hmm. even it's not that she just was like oh my god what is that it's just it was like Rah. yeah yeah maybe it like made a face at her or something like yeah, that. yeah. On, you've you've, you've had sonograms more recently you know it would freak you out if you sat on a sonogram yeah that's true I but I'm thinking like what would make me pass out or faint if I saw something so scary or horrific I would be more like doctor what the is that uh, but yeah it's. I, that that whole sequence, I remember that vividly. Like not like watching it, but like in my own life, having that happen. You go in and they're like, "Oh, you know, your baby's measuring, you know, X amount of weeks right now, and the head circumference or the the heartbeat looks good. Here's the rate, things, all these like simple things." But this is not that experience for them. It's really kind of interesting. But then there's also, um, you know, right. You, you, you know Vivian seems fine when this happens and Ben's like I'm gonna go get someone but they can't even stay at the house that long or at the at the uh, hospital that long or they choose not to because they both fly back home well and they get the call from Violet because and we'll talk about yeah. that uh in, in just a, a minute here so kind of starting rewinding just a sec now let's kind of go back and talk about kind of the, the what I'll call the Constance Violet storyline a little bit okay um so we have the situation where Constance is hanging or Constance is prostitute i don't remember his name is hanging out with Addie, teaching her about halloween prostitute slash boyfriend i guess we don't really know for sure it's no he well he pays for things Uh, she pays for things for him his Um, name's travis i've made a note travis yes 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 um and this is when we get the dead can interact with the living kind of foreshadowing you know which is is done somewhat tactfully it's not too i like this it's Uh smart you know it's the story of halloween it's kind of weird but it's also showing a relationship that Constance hates and also get, informs us on Constance's Constance's um, uh, personality more. It is, it's actually, I thought it was good, yeah. And this episode really has a few tragic moments in it. And when you think about, you know, Addie says the line here, I don't ever want to be a ghost, it's so sad. Which is, a, in a way, I mean, obviously a lot of foreshadowing happening there too. And she knows what she's talking about because she's friends with ghosts. Mm-hmm. She sure does. Um, but she could have hung out with her friends forever, you know. Um 
But, you know, Constance appears to be jealous of the relationship and, you know, says the line about she not sharing the affections. I mean, it's a flashback to her obviously being so upset about her husband having relations with Moira, I think. And that just scarred her to the point of, I don't know, yeah. something something pretty awful. And she really, I mean, is very mean to Addie in this scene. And it's her like, motherly constantly. spirit goes, yeah, it's it's it can be really brutal um, in, in the thing she says. But at the same time, you still get the sense that she loves her. So it's, I don't know, it's tough. It's tough. Um, clearly, they have like such a skewed relationship, right? Um, and Addie has this idea she wants to be a pretty girl for Halloween. Um, and Constance just says she can be Snoopy again for that. Right. <laughs> See, moments like that, like you learn about the relationship, like, no, you'll be Snoopy again. She's like, I don't want to be Snoopy. Like, it's a, the whole dynamic, and this is a, um, to Jamie Brewer and to uh, Jessica Lang, like, they're fantastic and they're back and forth with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but you get a real vibe on who they are based on how they interact. Addie can be kind of like confusing sometimes because she just pops up in places and we're like, what the, how did you get in here? But we learn more about her in this episode, I think, than uh, we had previously about who she is and what she wants. Right. In a lot of ways, this is kind of Addie's episode and it makes sense because in some ways it's mm-hmm. the end, end of her story. I mean, you know, as you said, she pops up under Violet's bed um, and asks for that pretty girl makeover. Uh, and this conversation is enlightening in a few different ways. We get the first connection between Addie and Tate, although she doesn't outright say he's my sibling or anything like that. Mm-hmm. We know that we know she's there's some awareness that there's a connection between the two. Uh, there's also kind of the weird question where um, Addie asks Violet if she's a virgin. <laughs> when Violet's like, "Yeah, aren't you?" and Addie's like, <laughs> "Hell no." Yeah, it's kind of kind of a okay. kind of a moment. Um, and then also just. Um, the part where Violet asks Addie what her age is, I think, and she says something like, a lady never tell. One of those lines like that, or something yeah. like that. And we had talked about earlier at the very first episode of the season that Addie is actually a lot older than we think she is when we look back She's to how like young she was. or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just kind of a youthful, youthful looking, obviously. Um, but I, you know, just kind of an allusion to things not always being as they seem, right? Uh-huh. Um, but you know, why do you think Constance is so pissed off that Addie got dressed up and wants to be a a pretty girl? She feels so burdened by, I'm assuming Addie's down syndrome, I guess, like that she has to like care for someone this long, uh, and probably pissed off also that she lost her other kids and, you know, what we know she had four kids. We only know about Addie so far i believe um but you and i know all of her kids mm-hmm. uh but i think we see that constance is she just feels burdened by the one probably kid that she didn't want to keep and she constantly talks about how she could have everyone told me to do this and i could have done this if i had known uh and yet she still tries to care for her because i think she Constance, one of her driving forces is this maternal instinct to care for something or someone. Hence, mm-hmm. at the end of this episode, Constant lose, Constance losing her last kid uh, kind of changes her mission in this whole season. Mm-hmm. Um, but she is absolutely brutal to her. Uh, it's awful. It's, it's really awful. And, you know, it goes beyond the, 
the humor side, how Constance can be funny or sassy or, you know, a little uh, casual racism or sexism that she always throws in there. Or white nationalism. Uh, <laughs> you know, or, yeah, <laughs> right. That, that can be kind of like, <laughs> oh, it's a fictional character. That's funny. At, at, at this point, when she sees Addie done up, she's just, she loses it. Well, and she ends up coming back later with this pretty girl mask. Uh, which, which is, is such a symbol and a or metaphor for you know i know you think this too so yeah you you go with it no i was gonna have, you go on it i like where you're going with it she her her compromise is okay you can be a pretty girl but you can't use your regular face you can't use your own you can't be you beauty yeah you can't be yourself you have to hide who you are which i'm assuming means her condition totally uh, and well, it, but it also a, reg- a regular pretty girl well, it also makes me think a little bit about, you know, Constance having her own mask when we have, we talked last episode about this earrings on, earrings off situation where it's like when the earrings are on, when she's all dressed up and made up and everything like that, she's got her like hardened facade on and the real Constance only comes out when the earrings right. come off, right? Right. Um, she also throws in a quip at the end there or a dig, you know, let's go put a dress on you. I think one of my maternity dresses might fit. I know. <laughs> so yeah. So she, mean. Even in what is like kind of a sweet moment even though it's not really um but she Addie kind of feels that way it's mm-hmm. still it's still shitty so it's it's yeah. i mean it, it is a testament to jessica lang that we can still appreciate constance as a character when she's such a terrible person in so many ways it's hard because sometimes it is funny and sometimes like god i should be laughing she's mean well and i guess you know to, to so, like to get to the end of this particular storyline we yeah. have Addie wanting to go over to the Harmons to show violet her pretty girl yeah. mask. Her friend, then, her living friend. Yeah. And, you know, even though she's wearing a mask, she gets bullied anyway by these shitty slut pirates. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. They also, they are way too old to be trick-or-treating. <laughs> yeah. I, I hear you on that one. I think, I finally, I think I stopped at what, like maybe 13? I don't remember. Yeah. I, I was, I was like handing I out, I always enjoyed handing out candy to people too, even if it was in costume, you know? Yeah. That's not this one, but I don't know. What, yeah, yeah, they're like they're like junior seniors in high school. That's what it seems. Um, like, so they, but they're but they're the cool kids. They're the hot cheerleader, skanky pirates. So she follows them into the street, and man, like I remember ugh. watching this scene. I remember watching this scene in the season one and like not expecting that to happen, and it being said, you know, the first time I watched it and being struck by it, and I, even though I knew it was coming, it was still upsetting oh i yeah i agree too i i remember that um i can't i didn't remember it happening so early on uh mm-hmm. in, in the season. season um i do watching it the second time remember thinking as soon as that happened i was like the episode should have ended here this has been a nice ending spot and like kind of a cliffhanger not necessarily a cliffhanger but you know we're still we get like multiple Halloween. cliffhangers yeah yeah yeah, yeah. No, this is where shit just goes crazy. Like, right after this, like, it's like, boom, boom, boom. Like, we're hitting every storyline at this point. I know we've covered some of them, but, um, right. yeah. It was it was very impactful and emotional, and it It, it, it is. And co- it hit me. Well, right. And then, of course, Constance can't get her back to the lawn in time for her to be a ghost at the house, which is what Addie wanted at the end of the day. I, and Exactly. You know. Great foreshadowing that she said, you know, I don't want to be a ghost. And mm-hmm. she, mm-hmm. she, for once, got what she wanted even though Constance was trying to make her be something that Constance wanted. Yep, exactly. Addie so fucking won. Right, so it's a, it's, it's a little bit of a line of redemption, even though it's not, you know. But it's, yeah, it, it, powerful stuff. And, I mean, great on Jamie Brewer for a great character storyline yeah. here. 
Um, the other part also, I wanted to hit. Sorry, what kind of EMTs will let you drag a body somewhere? Yes, I was <laughs> thinking the same thing. Happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when still, she's still alive at that point in time. Yeah. Like, yeah. You, know, you don't get to move the body. Uh. Yeah. Uh, real quick, this is this will be a short one, but just we need to wrap up, you know, Charles Montgomery's yeah. story um, because it's a little bit of a side thing here, kind of like Moore's deal. This felt shoved in, to be honest. It, it, I think it is a little bit because they're like, well, we didn't finish it last episode, so we need to finish it here. <laughs> um, you know, and we have, you know, Violet descends into the basement at midnight to meet Tate in the rubber man suit. So this is when we see Tate for the first time in the rubber man suit. Um, right. So a lot of questions coming coming about that later. And they end up having a seance. I don't know why Violet is still consenting to be scared by Tate at this point in time after he's like <laughs> been really horrifying up until this part. Um, and he says here, what I'm about to tell you might scare you to death. So something worth remembering as we move forward. Um, uh-huh. As the Montgomery story picks back up, we learn that someone blabbed <laughs> about the Montgomery's secret, you know, abortions happening in the basement. And so as retribution, the boyfriend of somebody who had been one of their patients comes and kidnaps the Montgomery's baby. And from what I can tell, it's like a little bit hard to see exactly what happens, but I believe that police bring back the body parts in jars, kind of like yeah. already what Dr. Montgomery had. Is that right? Is that what you that's what well? I That's how I interpreted it. Yeah, he pulls out a few jars. So I, I'm assuming that they were placed in jars, not like because otherwise they collected specimens from the basement already, which doesn't make sense. Right. Um, question for you: Who like did this this situation remind you of anything? You showing up with a dead baby situation, or the kidnapping of a baby? Oh, I mean, we uh, Perry Mason is what we had. T- yeah, I know you and I exactly. had both watched recently, and, and like honestly, how that show on HBO had like they showed the dead baby with the eyes sewn shut, and how like troubling that was that they were so like would actually show that um and yeah yeah, it it does have that vibe a little bit which is yeah which i think also inspired by the the lindbergh baby um yeah but um, Mm -hmm. anyway um but we we anyway yeah this is the impetus for the montgomery's going cuckoo and charles decides you know he's going to take his old you know sew together different species and he's going to make a franken baby i think he's like sewing like a goat hoof onto a baby arm something horrifying yeah um and that's how we learn or it's kind of implied but we know that this what the creature in the basement is because i think state says you know and it never left right and so that's thing that he used to Which scare they have to scare the girl right yeah the girl, yeah, the high school girl. Sorry to interrupt. Um, no, no, and, and the two, you know, redhead kids and, yeah. Yeah. The, it, in the credits after the first episode, they do have a name for this person, and it's called the Infantata. Yes. And I it has, I don't, I don't believe it's been said out loud yet um, in this in the season, show. but, yeah. Right. And it, yeah, and we, it, we come to know it as the Infantata, but I have yeah. it just for now as for Frank and Baby. But yes. Frank and Baby's better, I think. <laughs> um, and yeah. So that's, I mean, we get, we're getting some answers here, which is, I also appreciate about this season is we get answers to some things quickly and then we get new questions, right? Uh, so let's talk about the kind of last little subset of things that happened. Uh, they're mostly centered around Ben. We, you know, Larry returns to. Fuck with Ben and continuing continuing to extort him for this $1,000. We're still not really sure what he's going to do with this $1,000. 
Um, but Ben's still not having it with him. Clearly still hasn't paid him. He continues to meet with Tate because Tate refuses to see other psychologists. Well, we know Tate's spirit is trapped in the house, so he can't go see other psychologists. Yeah, he except didn't show up to the one. He Sorry. didn't show up. Except on Halloween, he can... Go get coffee. Go, go meet Ben for a coffee appointment, you know, whatever. Um, one question I had for you is, you know, how authentic is Tate being in this scene with Ben when he's saying to Ben, you know, you're the only one who can help me. Is he playing him or is that like, or is he really looking to be a better individual? I, I, I don't, I mean, so I believe that he's being authentic here. I, I really do think that he isn't that good of an actor. I think Evan Peters is that good of an actor. I don't think Tate is that good of an actor. But I think Evan Peters is so good that Tate is genuine with his reach for help, and Ben is the only guy who can do it, even though Ben seems a, like a pretty terrible psychiatrist, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, the whole situation, and now that he... Well, information that we don't learn till later um, kind of shades that in a weirder way for me, so I don't know, but... He wants to keep Ben in the house, too, uh, for more reasons maybe than just to treat him. Right. I agree with you. I really think I really think Tate is haunted um, by things he's done in the past. Um, and, you know, maybe even, you know, obviously we know there was a plan for Ben to keep treating Tate because Constance and Moira discuss it with him. And maybe at the beginning it wasn't about that, but... If I remember correctly, and also when you think about looking at Apocalypse too, it does seem that, you know, Tate has genuine feelings for Violet, and maybe he really is authentically looking to get better in his own afterlife situation. Yeah. So Tate does meet Ben out at the Halloween festival. Um, there's a little bit of a hinting that maybe Tate hasn't been out in a while, because he says that line about, you know, there's so many flavors, I don't know half of them, about, I don't know if he's talking about, like, pumpkin spice latte coffee flavors or something like that. <laughs> Um, and Ben gets like weirdly kind of confessional at this. Like he's trying to be now like the cool doctor who can relate to you. You know, I was a Smokes troubled a child. Cigarette. Smokes a cigarette. I was a troubled child myself, but people never thought I could do anything in my life. And then I became a doctor. Um, and my family's the best thing that ever happened. You know what I mean? So it's a, uh, it's a little bit it's probably not the right, not the right doctor patient dynamic necessarily. Not very professional no. at least, but yeah, you know, Maybe he's trying everything because he can't. He hasn't had anything, and he's also clearly like uh, dealing with his own shit here too. So, yeah, yeah. Ben says like Tate, you remind me of myself, and I'm like, I don't. You need to ask some more questions, Doctor Harmon, because I don't think you'll relate at yet. At, well, you need to dig a little deeper. Um, <laughs> but uh, also, Tate's cardigan in this scene is pretty awesome. Even though I didn't really like the scene at all, it was also felt very forced and weird but yeah um uh but i think ben what we learn about ben in this is he feels like he was just given this amazing gift of a family and he doesn't deserve it so he's always like on himself and then he fucked up because he cheated and then he just ruined everything and it just he's one of those people that just shits on his own situation and just keeps digging himself deeper well, I mean, he's self-sabotaging himself because maybe because he feels like he doesn't deserve it, he continues to sabotage exactly. it with other things, you know. Now we're being yeah. the psychiatrist, but... <laughs> I know. <laughs> Better than him. Mm -hmm. So jumping ahead a little bit to the very end of the episode, you know, Larry's banging on the door while they're at the hospital, scaring Violet. Ben advises her to keep it locked and not call the police because what a selfish asshole, really. Like, his daughter's life is in danger, and he's like, yeah. oh, God forbid someone finds out about, you know... You, 
What a dick. Um, meanwhile, Rubberman is right over uh, Violet's shoulder, and we don't know if it's Tater or if it's a demon, right? Or both. I thought you just said Tater for a second, but you were saying Tate or. Like, <laughs> yeah. oh, we're going to call him Tater now? <laughs> but yes, uh, who is it? Yeah, I mean, at this point, not clear. And Ben and Vivian arrive back home to find the alarm going off, all the doors open, Violet missing. Just as uh, <laughs> there's a knock boom, on boom, boom. a doorbell or knock on the door, opens up to find uh, a very disheveled-looking Hayden who is uh, very happy to have died so close to Halloween, I would suspect. Mm-hmm. I, it's funny to, like, think about, like, so did Larry know that this is where he he wanted to, uh, Hayden to come back to haunt Ben? Uh, mm-hmm. Otherwise, they would have moved the body somewhere else. But Larry has to know that if they, the bodies die there, they stay there. So, I feel like the the character I don't remember as much about is Larry. I know we got his backstory about setting the family on fire, but I don't remember as much about what his motivations are in like this particular situation. I agree. So, uh, that's something I'll be curious to revisit as we go further on. He seems super superfluous right now. I don't really, you know, but I can't remember. I mean, Maybe he needs more. He's another guy, I mean, he's the main, him and Hayden, you know, together putting pressure on Ben in one form or another. Um, right. He's one yeah. of the characters I least remember. Um, right. Yeah, I know, after this, after that happened, I was like, oh my god, finally the end of this episode, just because they felt like there were five or six... Um, Cliffhangers, uh, yeah. Like false endings. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of drama at the end of this episode, and I'll give that to it. Um, yeah. But, I mean, I know there's a number of scenes that you said you felt were, were kind of superfluous, too. So I'm curious to hear how you would sum it up in your review. Yeah. Your rating. Um, if, uh, I really liked this episode. I love Halloween, too. So this is just super fun. And this is like a traditional Halloween episode when it happens on Halloween and it's fun. We don't really have that happen often later in the series, uh, but this just, it feels fun. And I love that there's a part two because this, we're not even done with the night yet. It's, it's incredible. Right. Um, yeah. There were so many stories happening, <laughs> uh, which was hard to keep track of, of where everything was happening, but, um, and there, some were hits, some were misses, some were, you know, kind of forced on us. Um, Overall, a few notes that I had is it's interesting. We I think the constant storyline is really great with Addie. It's sad, but it's also informative of Constance. Um, she now has no children, so let's see what happens to her now that she is by herself, without any uh, dependents. Um, and I loved again that Addie said early on she didn't want to become a ghost, uh, but Constance did want her to become a ghost had she tried to drag the body. But fortunately, Addie for once got her way. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, the downer side, the Harmons just seem like they're circling in place. Like there's not a lot happening there. We've already been through their I don't trust you situation, uh, and we're kind of back at that. Uh, I wish we had more of Moira because that storyline is actually pretty interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing before I give my review is I, I noticed this when I was doing some research, but uh, we have frequently said like we've the house is, seems like it's its own entity, um, and the house. So I, I I pulled this from an interview from 2010 or 11, 11 obviously, 
uh, from Entertainment Weekly, and they interviewed uh, Brian Murphy, and they said, "Why?" So the question is like, why do we only see the gays on Halloween? Why haven't they popped up yet? And you and I have said like, why are the ghosts showing up at certain times, and we don't know? Like, why are they deciding to show themselves to certain people? Um, and he essentially says the house knows when to send the ghosts in to fuck with the inhabitants. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, just like uh, Chad and Patrick showed up, it was at the right time to mess with Vivian Diamonds. and Ben. Mm-hmm. And that's what that's what happens. Just like also, and there's a brief scene, but the two twins are egging the house. You know, that's it's all the house's plan. Mm-hmm. Um to do that so the, the timing is all up to the house anyway um i love this episode i give it a 4.5 rubber men i totally agree with you i think this is a really strong episode i think there is an awful lot jammed in to it but it for the most part i think it's done in a very even that being the case it's done well i think that the charles i need to remember how we'll see next week how halloween episode two or part two plays out i kind of feel like the charles montgomery storyline didn't need to be jammed in here there wasn't really there wasn't anything in service it's not like we saw the infantata again in this episode necessarily um so i wonder a little bit if that was necessary to to fit that in here um but i like all the other the harmons i agree with you that we're like this this little cycle needs to, to come to an end finally, but the pressure, they're certainly amping up the pressure with, you know, Hayden, basically, you know, Vivian finding out about the trip to Boston, the phone calls, Hayden calling back, Hayden actually showing up in person. It's like the pressure gets up and up and up, ramped up. Larry's turning up the pressure even further. Um so at least, you know, it, it we're we're coming to a head at some to at some of these things, and I, I feel like if I was watching this for the first time again, I would think to myself, where are these storylines going to go? Cause it seems like, right. you know, we're, we're at a breaking point here. Um, I will say that I totally agree with you that the Constance Addy storyline is possibly the best one of this episode in that. I think it is very well done and it's a very neat, it, it's just like a very, there's a clear beginning and like it, it ties together. Well, I, I think mm-hmm. it, it is just super well done and, and tra- it is tragic, but it, it's, it's a good, good story. Um, and, and the little Moira, like you said, uh, that little part, it's like too bad we couldn't cut the Charles Montgomery stuff this episode and add a little bit more there, um, just to make it not seem like, uh, one of our little deviant kind of, you know, diversions. Um, uh, but yeah. no, I, I think it was a really strong episode. I, I really enjoy the Chad and Patrick characters too. That's something, um, I don't know if I said at the beginning that I, I, I definitely really vividly remember the Zachary Kintov character um chad warwick as being like a really entertaining just like how particular he is about things and his strong halloween opinions are fantastic it is Um, funny so it's a lot of fun uh so i think this is a great episode as well i'm gonna give it four and a quarter i think all right four four and a quarter it's not my top one of the season but it's a really solid one and i don't remember halloween part two very well so i'm excited to see like how some of these things play out yeah yeah same same and uh i i do love i i almost wish they had just done a halloween special and this was a full two-hour movie (laughs) because it's just so there's so many things happening for a one-hour thing that which is honestly a 40-minute thing when you because how you watch it on tv with commercials right um that it would be be better served as a full like halloween movie which would have been amazing 
I don't remember how the dates fell in 2011, but clearly they just wanted to milk the whole Halloween vibe for a full two weeks, oh, which yeah. at the same time, I also yeah. don't mind because I love, as soon as it's October 1, I'm all over the Halloween movies and yeah. that stuff. So I think I, I looked up the date this aired, and it, I, think, I believe this episode was actually the week before Halloween, and then the Halloween part two was actually after Halloween. I, oh, I'm, was it? I'm, okay. cer- I'm fairly certain. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, quick question for you. On Halloween, when ghosts can like roam the world, can can everyone see them or do they just choose who do they see them like so when tate is at coffee with ben does everyone see him there i think they must because he goes and orders coffee right that's true so if moira goes to her mother's place and like pulls the plug does someone see her does she get arrested or does she just well i mean i imagine if she walks i mean if she walks out of that place and no one, I mean, she's not going to be recognizable to anybody because no one, you know, her yeah. actual individual person right. died however many years ago. And probably if they took her to the police station, by the time the morning came, she would be zapped back into the house and she would disappear in the cell or something like that. Not right. that I'm like an expert on the physics of the house and how Halloween interacts with ghosts, but, you know, that's a guess. But well, we'd love to like, hear other people's she, thoughts. Yeah. yeah. On the, the, I mean, it's an interesting question because there's there are – it makes you wonder – how clearly did they think through the rules of the world? Um, and would love to hear other other people's thoughts on kind of the, the ghost rules of the house. I mean, as you were saying, based on what Ryan Murphy said, the house has a lot of power over – the ghosts don't – even in like their purgatory, the ghosts don't have a ton of power over where they can appear and when they can't. Some seem to have a little bit more flexibility, like Tate can seem to be there all the time pretty much, whereas like, you know, Chad and Patrick – don't show up the dispatch by the house but maybe tate's there all the time because he was dispatched specifically for violet basically and ben and maybe when chad and patrick lived there they never met tate once you know so hard to say um also i really do like that the way that they kind of we learned at early on with addy that the ghost can walk you know the world during uh halloween and then all of a sudden everyone's like laura's requesting a day off even though we probably know uh, Tate's like, yeah, I'll meet you for coffee. It's all these like subtle things that that you kind of figure out who's a ghost and who's not, at least so far. Right, right. Um, f- final question for you that I had was, what was the actual plan with all the decorating of the house? Were they gonna have an open house? Were they having a party? Like, I they ne- I don't remember them actually saying. I know that they needed to like stage the house, but what would, was that? Was that what was happening? <laughs> well, so we know that Chad was originally doing it because he wanted the house to get featured in some magazine so they could sell it. Yeah, which I love mm-hmm. that. It was so funny. Whereas, like, I'm not sure if, like, Vivian had anticipated it being, like, a like a haunted house situation where people walk through the house and yeah. also it's like an open, <laughs> open house haunted house, which actually is a, a pretty awesome idea. I love so that idea. So if you're real estate agents out there, if you're thinking of <laughs> something... Yeah, have a turn turn your open house into a into a haunted house. Why not? May, well, maybe not this year with COVID, but you know, maybe maybe twenty twenty one. Right, twenty twenty one. Cool. Uh, that being said, I think eight and three quarters is a pretty solid review yeah. for this episode. So we'll we'll keep that there. Um, yeah, and, and I mean, definitely excited to fall into uh, episode part two of Halloween next week. Um, between now and then, Chris, where can people find you? I am on Instagram and Twitter at Chris Husted, Chris with a K. And what about you, Tyler? 
Sweet. You can catch me on Twitter at TJMoss11. We encourage you all to uh, follow our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Just American Horror Story and join in, to, uh, join in with the, the conversation, the community. Send us messages. Send us emails at thisamericanhorrorstory at gmail.com with uh, thoughts and questions, anything you want us to chat about. And um, finally, uh, if you want to go and rate us, review us on Stitcher or on uh, Apple Podcasts, we really appreciate it. You know, we, we like the feedback. It means a lot. Um, and we're really glad you all are here uh, revisiting season one with us. Um, it's really fun to uh, look back at how the show's evolved and, and kind of get that nostalgia. So all that being said, until next week, uh, Halloween part two, happy hauntings. Happy hauntings.